Welcome to Done With Debauchery, a podcast hosted by Denise and Keisha, two friends who share intimate conversations about alcohol and drug use, struggling with sobriety, and our personal paths to wellness. Hi, everyone. It's Denise and Keisha. Hello. We are back for another episode of Done With Debauchery, and today we're going to be building on the topic we talked about a little bit last week. Uh, We're going to talk about growing up around alcohol, but first things first, Keisha, how are you doing over there? I'm doing really good. Um, I'm going to a new restaurant tonight for dinner. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's called Gia, and they're really small, only seats 36 people, and it's all plant-based. Like, I'm not vegan or vegetarian, but we're going to check it out anyways. Who doesn't need a little more vegetables in their life? Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if it's like the healthy kind of Mm. vegan, but I don't know. They have some rapini and Brussels sprouts. So like unbelievable. (laughs) It's definitely trending if you're in Toronto. So worth checking out, I think. And we will be looking for a review. Yeah, I will report back. (laughs) How are you? What's happening? I mean, I'm great. Guys, Keisha just took away my (laughs) sparkling watermelon water because (laughs) apparently I'm... (sighs) Into the microphone a every little too two often. seconds after she has a sip after I'm she noisily best life over here first she noisily <laughs> takes the cap off with her fake nails dabbing it has a sip and then goes <sighs> every time <laughs> so I had to put my foot down she is having flat water exclusively for this recording so I guess I'm okay I'm, I'm medium I'm adapting to my flat water and I will try to be as still as possible for everyone's listening pleasure <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into it. Um, Growing up around alcohol, I guess, uh, diving into the impacts, consequences that children who grow up in a home that is filled with either substances or alcohol use. So maybe let's first, like, talk about our own experiences a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, What was what was what was alcohol like in, in, in and around your home growing up? Growing up, um, my grandparents um, on my mom's side don't drink at all. Um, Like never growing up was that something that was a big part of their lives or that I remember from my childhood. Um, My parents definitely both drank like when I was growing up, like it was the 90s, like we were going to like those classic like parties at my parents' friend's house where all the kids are falling asleep in the basement or like on the bed that's like loaded to the ceiling with different people's coats. So there definitely was alcohol around when I was growing up, but in my early years, it's not something that really stands out to me um, that was a problem or something that I felt was impacting my parents' ability to parent or show up for me. Um, Like I have two very loving and supportive parents. As things changed sort of over the years as I got older, um, sort of in my late teens, um, alcohol was definitely something that consistently showed up, um, especially in my father's own life. He had some ongoing struggles with alcohol. Um, and there were some, so I would call them traumatic experiences that I went through um, that were surrounded by alcohol in the family um, or alcohol in relationships with people that were close to to my family. But yeah, so as a child, not really 
like not nothing that I can recall that was significant, but in my teen years, it definitely became more prevalent. Mm. And you? Yeah, I think my experience is, is somewhat similar. Um, my parents were really into fitness um, when we were growing up and I would be more like growing up in, in the 80s and in my teens already in the 90s. So I don't really remember um, any alcohol or drinking. Like I am Italian, so I do remember like the like homemade Italian wine <laughs> happening um, as as kids and that that always being drank at like dinners and things, but nobody was ever really getting drunk. Um, I feel like the consumption was very, very moderate um, and like very kind of accept- acceptable. But I don't, and and honestly, I don't even remember my my parents really drinking. Like I remember my mom having a rum and coke like here and there um, when I was little, and like us doing our nails. But I don't feel like alcohol was ever problematic, or I don't ever really remember seeing my parents um, drunk. But I do relate to like being at my parents friends houses or parties and like the kids all being together in the basement and I'm sure the parents were drinking upstairs but I don't even like really remember things getting excessive or or crazy or anything like that like it was more of like a dinner party type it remained a safe environment even though alcohol was involved yeah yeah but I, I sometimes wonder though it's like were you just like totally unaware um versus you know versus like versus being aware of people binge drinking and as you get older and you're a teen I think you become more aware of like those changes um in people's consciousness and I can remember like a few times as I got into my teens like I can remember like feeling like my parents had 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 been drinking when they came home from parties and things like that um but the drinking in and around the house was was very very minimal but as I got older, and again, this is where I start to question my reality a little bit, is like, because I remember, I do remember like quite intensive drinking um, as part of like, the uh, as part of cottage culture. Oh, yeah. And there I would have been like late teens in into my 20s and into my, all the way into my actual, into my 30s. Um, and I was also binge drinking and, you know, there are members of my family who were also binge drinking, um, at that time. And there was that, I guess that party or like cottage culture that was kind of going on there. So, um, I don't want to say that I was like fully don't have an experience of it, but it wasn't something that I feel like, um, was really apparent or relevant for me as a child growing up. Yeah, the cottage culture really stands out to me as well. Um, even though we grew up in different provinces, mm. I remember also um, going to the cottage and going just out to the lake in, in Manitoba with my family. And that definitely was, I think, like it's the summer, your parents are drinking, having a good time, like the drinks are flowing all weekend. And it was also around the time that I started experimenting with alcohol, like on my own mm. as well. Um, so yeah, that really stands out to me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where I start to be uh, became more aware of like the binge drinking culture because I think also the cottage is an opportunity where you're with your family or around your family even though there may be 
you know, you may be hosting guests or people might be stopping by and that kind of stuff, but you're really with your parents, like maybe for the whole duration of the day and the night where maybe they were drinking not around me when I was younger. And the responsibilities are also less because they're not having to stay in a reasonable place of sobriety to drive home. Like they're they're there for the weekend. And I think we're both experiencing this when we were also at an age of teens or even into our 20s too. So it's like, is your parent also just kind of disengaged from their parenting role where when they were younger, it's like very full on attention and, mm-hmm. and I guess watching that you require. Um, so, you know, your parents maybe are more inclined to stay more sober versus when you're a teenager. Yeah. They're like, Oh, she's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's been locked in her room all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's something that, it is extremely common that we may not even realize. So we found that one in eight children in the United States, age 17 and younger, actually live in homes where at least one parent has a substance abuse disorder. And that that number, one in eight children, was consistent across all age groups from ages 3 to 17. Yeah, and that, I think that's... Th- Three to seventeen, and mm-hmm. that's a that's a huge number. Like I think it's really really common. And Keisha and I were talking a little bit before we, you know, popped on here and we're recording. It's like I think that those are probably people that are even diagnosed with a substance use disorder and yeah. doesn't even take into consideration uh, probably binge drinking culture, which I think would still have the ability to to impact children because I do think that people still act out of alignment, are unpredictable, and probably less responsible as parents when they are binge drinking because they're getting to a pretty severe level of intoxication. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot a lot of people are not seeking help or support or may not even recognize that there is a problem with the way they are drinking, so they're not going to be included in this statistic. But what really stood out to me was, like, younger than three and three years old like that is a baby that you are completely reliant on your parent at that time so what are some of I guess the impacts that growing up in an environment like that can have on children well I think the first thing like to to really chat about is just like why there's an impact and I think like the big oh I mean obvious it's obvious but I think that that the the big aspect of it is that then kids needs aren't being met right Mm -hmm. and needs would be classified as nutrition safety education structure consistency affection and healthcare. so it's not just like your kid isn't safe or you know they they aren't getting adequate nutrition like it affection matters like consistency in a parent's behavior towards the child is so important and towards a baby it's like you know like the baby's fully dependent on you but they're also exploring and learning about their world and growing from there so and that's when like these core attachments are being formed exactly exactly so I think that when a child's needs aren't met consistently it can cause a you know a, a huge list of of issues and I can kind of list them off but trust issues would be one um extreme self-judgment and self-criticism so there seems to be like a tendency to have like very kind of 
I guess a lack of ability of, of self-soothing. Mm. Um, it's like they've never had a nurturing parent, so they don't have that like internalized yeah. internalized voice system. Um, there is a tendency towards approval-seeking behaviors. Um, it's normalizing drinking for all those kids that are exposed to that and, and you know, drinking in probably unhealthy ways. There's a higher risk for mental health issues like anxiety and depression, but not just those two. Probably also issues like schizophrenia, um, dysregulated nervous system, um, leading towards more hypervigilance. So just like kids that are always kind of like on alert, waiting for, you know, a shoe to drop or maybe a violent episode or lots of things, right? Unpredictable behavior. Uh, There definitely seems to be also a really large tendency for a need to control. So tying back into the eating disorder uh, episode, but um, kids will find ways to control their environment when it feels very um, unpredictable and other ways or control and manipulate people, for example. Uh, And then I also found that there's like a difficulty with emotions. So the kids are not um, modeled and taught how to deal with their emotions because obviously the parent is unable to do that for themselves to assist the child with. So, I mean, that's a pretty huge list. It's honestly, it it feels endless. And a lot of the things that you talked about on that list are like psychological and emotional impacts that the child may experience. But there's also another layer of like physical risks. Mm. So living in a house with a substance using parent can also put these children at uh, like an increased risk for abuse, neglect, fewer household resources and and just like basically like child welfare involvement overall. Yeah, I think that that makes sense like, you know, are you getting made a proper nutritious mm-hmm. dinner? Like is there consistent meal times? Is yeah. is mom showing up to pick you up from your play date or like has she passed out or just yeah, like the list of of things is endless. So yeah, it really I think is just there's no debate that it's just extremely damaging for children to grow up in like an unpredictable and chaotic environment like that. And these are I think also we're kind of reverting into like the extreme cases. Yeah, I think like yeah, and I think a lot of the I think some of the things that you just listed from a safety perspective are I would say or neglect perspective or abuse definitely get into some very extreme, extreme cases. Addiction, yeah. yeah, and very... But I, I think that the psychological aspects can show up in, in moderate cases of, of substance use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they're kind of the things that I would say would fly under the radar. Like, you know, trust issues as a result of not being able to rely on a caregiver because they are drinking and are inconsistent probably shows up in school in terms of how, you know, that child is able to build relationships with other children. And connect with their teachers. Like if they, if the people at home who are supposed to be their safe space are inconsistent and not providing the care that they need, I feel like it's also going to be extremely challenging for them to form those meaningful relationships with their teachers and people that may actually be able to help and intervene. 100% they won't they won't trust them from the get-go and they've already learned that when they reach out for help they're you know disappointed disappointed or it's a negative emotional experience for them or they're gonna get their parent in trouble exactly exactly 
And you know, kids are very like self-focused. Um, and a lot of times if, you know, their needs aren't met, they, they will self-blame. And when children self-blame, they start to experience shame uh, in regards to their needs or just their existence in, in general. And they will develop a belief system um, that's around, like fully around feeling unworthy and, you know, the impact that that will have on them in terms of you know, being able to put up their hand in class or, you know, feeling good enough to go out for the volleyball team or yeah, like that extreme lack of confidence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like it really has, I think, a very profound impact on their ability to actually experience life. Yeah. And even what we talked about in last week's episode, the mummy wine culture, like we talked about how children really follow the behavior that they're seeing. So children that are living with a parent who has an alcohol use disorder are four times more likely than other children to develop symptoms of an alcohol use disorder themselves. Mm. Yeah, that, and I think that's not surprising because they, and I guess this brings me to a question, it's like, is it biologically driven uh, that these children are more predisposed to those types of behaviors or is it environmentally driven? Mm. Is it a result of them being in that environment? Um, I guess I'm a strong believer that it's, it's a, it's combination. It's probably both. Um, but I am also of the opinion that it's more heavily weighted on the environment. Um, you know, these kids are a modeled drinking um, you know, you know, every day and it's normalized, but they're also taught that that's the way to handle overwhelmed stress. Um, and they haven't also been given any other healthy resources. So yeah. not only has that been normalized for them, but they also were not shown or taught any cope, other coping skills. Yeah. It's interesting to, to reflect on it because I think that there can be so many factors like biologically and in their, in your environment that have an impact. Like when I look back at my grandparents and my, my mother, my grandparents never drank. There was never alcohol in the house, but my mom, it, she drinks significantly now. Mm -hmm. So that is not something that she learned from her parents. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like my parents also, like as adult children, like they drink more now than than they did when we were younger. Yeah. I think that that is likely like a dependency increase over time. Mm. So they more alcohol is required now to get to that same feeling as or effect as it was 10 years ago. Yeah. And I guess that, that tendency to go in that direction with your drinking is, yeah, a dependency or an addictive quality. But but also may be a result of other unmet needs in childhood. Not yeah. not because it's not just growing up yeah. around alcohol that can definitely because I relate to some of these impacts. Like I'm like as a kid, I was like, oh, like I definitely have that that negative voice and self judgment. I definitely was somebody who was prone to like a attention seeking or approval seeking, approval -seeking behavior. I still am. Me too. I definitely have that need for control. I feel that hypervigilant uh, nervous system. So I guess my point is that those psychological risks or Im the impact that kids can experience can come from other needs not being met. 
um, in childhood. It doesn't have to just come from growing up around substance yeah. use. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we've already touched on the fact that children who live with a parent who have an alcohol use disorder are more likely to develop a disorder themselves. And I think to play off of that, we a lot of parents think we have this mentality that we want to tell our children, not that I have children, <laughs> but that if you're going to drink, do it at home, keep it safe. Uh, have you, You've heard that before. Yeah. And you know what I think when I was in high school, there were some, you know what, my parents allowed it, but like kind of turned the blind eye. But I feel like I have friends who had parents that were like, yeah, you guys can drink at our house and their, their parents would have preferred for us to be drinking in their house versus out in the street. Out in a field. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. Actually. Park. Yeah, so there is a really strong belief that it will help adolescents develop an appropriate relationship with alcohol. But I found some really interesting information from the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism that said that it's actually opposite of that. So they studied a group of sixth to eighth graders and the research showed that students whose parents allowed them to drink at home or provided them with alcohol actually experienced the steepest escalation in their drinking and that adolescents who are allowed to drink at home drink more heavily outside of the home as well. I was actually shocked because I would think that it's, yeah, safer for kids to learn how to regulate themselves and drink in the house. Just knowing, especially my first experience is drinking, like I obviously drank too much and then was like passed mm-hmm. out on the ground. So I guess I feel like adult supervision would help. But it's almost sounding like if you allow kids to drink in the home, it's like you give them an inch, they take a mile. Yeah, and I think that that can also just come down to they're teenagers. Like, they don't understand what the repercussions are. Mm -hmm. Basically, you're encouraging them to have a relationship with this toxic substance that does create a dependency. So it just makes sense that naturally it's going to impact them in that way. Yeah. But I thought the opposite as well. Like, you just think that if you're going to be the cool parent and let them experiment, like, it almost breeds trust and you're hoping that they will come to you. But... And I wonder if part of what you just said was a really important point. And I wonder if part of the motivation for parents to say, like, yeah, here, you can do it at home. So it's, like, safe here at home is is so that you're, like, building your relationship with your kid. Mm -hmm. You're trying to be the cool, friendly parent. And I think as we know, that's, you know, not always giving what people need. It's maybe what the kids want. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe there are some benefits, like physically they are in a safe environment versus being unsupervised, underage on the street, mm-hmm. intoxicated, and a lot more vulnerable. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting. and in That it inc- it's likely to increase usage rather than create a healthy relationship. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised by that, but it does make sense when you, when you break it down. Mm-hmm. Well, we went over a lot today and it's really unfortunate um, and sad to kind of look at the stats around what, you know, the numbers, how big the impact is. Uh, I was really depressed yeah, actually yeah. doing this research. It was really shocking. Yeah, and, and really triggering and just really disappointing that, you know, a lot of children who are in positions where they don't have resources or skills for, you know, an alternate life 
um, grow up in those types of environments. Yeah, and there are resources out there. Um, maybe in our in our show notes, we can include a link to Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a support program for people whose lives have been affected by someone else's drinking. I think it's like similar to a sister program from AA. But they do also have um, a branch called Alatine, which is specific for young people and adolescents. So we can include that in the show notes. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for listening. Sorry to end this on such a downer. (laughs) (laughs) But the more aware we are, the better we are at enacting change. So I love that. Me too. Bye-bye. See you next time. This is Keisha and Denise signing off on another episode of Done With Debauchery. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share and subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at Done With Debauchery. See you next time.